Warning, what you're about to hear may contain mature language, adult situations, and depictions of graphic violence. Listener discretion is advised. Simple Truth Organic Iced Coffee helps me become alert and sparkle like I need to when I'm doing a podcast. That's Simple Does it Truth say that on Iced the Coffee. Yeah, it's specifically Simple Truth Iced Coffee for podcasters. <laughs> <laughs> I got the podcast, you know. Uh, for I'm fragile lying. white men who simply must express their opinions on everything. <laughs> well, here we are, Keith. Good morning. Yeah, buddy. Elliot Greenman, Keith Vance, welcome back to the Trash Heap Podcast. It's the show with hot questions and even hotter wings. Oh, man. I, I love saying know, that, but it's not funny anymore. I've done it enough times that it's that joke is done, right? It freaks, frankly just makes me want to eat some wings most of the time. <laughs> and then there are none, and I'm a little disappointed. No, this is the show where we generally... What's the show? What are we doing? Man, we're, give, we're giving discarded movie gems a, a second chance, and we're out to prove once and for all that there are no garbage movies, only garbage opinions. That's right. But today, we're going to talk about... Wayne's World. It's party time. Excellent. I'm too. Wayne Campbell, and with me... <laughs> I'm Wayne Knight. With me, as always, is Garth. No, today we're going to talk about TV. We're not talking about a movie. We're not even talking about regular TV. We're talking about streaming TV. Yeah, and isn't that wild? The movie podcast, but we're going to talk about television shows. Yeah. Just sort of like oh, we did uh, uh, excuse me. with the Cursed Films episode, because it's our podcast. This is yeah. the democratization of media, and we can do whatever the fuck we want, and Correct. nobody can stop us. Who's going to do something? Who's going to shut us down? The government? Yeah, right. We don't have any studio execs breathing down our neck, being like, you got to make this. You got to make that. We're mobile, baby. We're pump up the volume. You can't track us. You can't find us. We got a VPN. We're we're invisible on the great nebulous internet. But yeah, we're gonna talk. Even, we're gonna talk about the TV show. We're gonna talk about the new season of Stranger Things. You know that thing that everyone's already talked to a bunch about, and by the time this episode comes out, will be completely irrelevant. The, the most massive to... cultural sensation of this generation, and possibly any other. You know what? You, you, no, no one's heard anything until they have heard us. This is the opinions they're waiting for, you know? They don't need Roger Ebert coming back from the grave to talk about Stranger Things. They don't need Leonard Malton. Uh, they don't need wow. some, so, some those sort of... <laughs> when you, when of like, you say their names, like yeah, that sounds like a hundred years ago. It does. <laughs> like some popular YouTube channel, like we don't, you know, coming up saying like, hey, did you catch this? No, the, people are waiting for us to mumble for about yeah, You got to mention minutes. some popular uh-huh. YouTubers like uh, PewDiePie or... Uh, Dr. Wolfula, or maybe... Are these real? What's that guy, that one guy who... Uh, Jeremy Johns. Or I don't know the, that the guy that does the kill count. What's his name? I don't know. You know the kill count? No. It's just like a montage of, of death scenes, and then they count it. Or uh, what's that one? Cinema Sins? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, fuck Cinema Sins. I don't watch it, but I'm familiar with it. I know that it, it's something that exists. Yeah. 
No, we're going to talk about that. First, anything else you want to say? Anything fun you watched or you want to plug anything? No. anything ex- well, I, no? I, what no? I want to understand is this was your idea. And so I want Correct. to understand why exactly you felt the need to pile on. The reason why I was like, you know, so I would say it would be like 2014. And that's when I first got the idea for the TV show Stranger Things. Um, I pitched it to a bunch of studios. Pass, 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 pass. Then Netflix pick, you know, they they show interest in it, right? And then they said the problem is like you're not a twin though. So we got these two twin brothers who are just basically completely talentless hacks. We're just gonna buy this intellectual property for from you and say that they created it because they have the twin image we're looking for. It's spookier if it's made by twins. They can be like, right? They, remember, remember The Shining? Well, we got those kids was, to make a show. They literally said that to me in the pitch in the in the in the in my, during my pitch meeting. They that's, said like that's an like, amusing is... made up story you have there. Well, yeah. I want to read to you here is a piece of trivia, however, about the origin of Stranger Things, and we'll we'll get back to my my question here in a second. But uh, I have to mention this: in April two thousand eighteen, filmmaker Charlie Kessler filed a lawsuit against the Duffer Brothers claiming that they stole his idea behind his short film Montauk, which featured a similar premise of a missing boy, a nearby military base doing otherworldly experiments, and a monster from another dimension. He pitched his film to the Duffer Brothers, later gave them the script, ideas, story, and film for a larger idea, which he called the Montauk Project. Kessler contended that the Duffer Brothers used his ideas to devise the premise for Stranger Things, and he saw a third of the income they had made from the series. What's funny about that and <laughs> might be true, but the Montauk project that's like a real like well-known conspiracy theory that the Duffers have openly talked about how they uh, that's what that, how they were influenced by that. So it would be pretty easy for you to be like, "Oh yeah, I uh, I, uh, I had this script for this thing that that exists." It's like you know, they stole my idea. I had this. I wrote this script. It was called "The Civil War," and it was about this civil war that takes place in America. <laughs> it's about a schism, and, uh, yeah, <laughs> caused by political <laughs> beliefs in uh, early America. Yeah, and it's like, and they stole my idea. And it's like I had this idea for this movie called uh, World War Two or the Atom Bomb. Yeah, it's like what? Well, it's like, funny yeah, because there's a ton of like direct-to-video movies in the 80s about like a kid and like a weird animal and like a monster from a lab like uh what is that watchers yeah with uh cory haim cory haim yeah and just just movies like that like a, a, somebody escapes from a lab or a creature escapes from a lab and whatever blah 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 but here's the here's my favorite part The Duffer's uh, lawyer stated that they never saw Kessler's film nor spoke to him regarding it. Interesting. And that Kessler had no input into their concepts for Stranger Things. The judge denied summary judgment for the Duffer brothers, blah, 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 blah. It proceeded to trial. Just before the trial was due to start in May 2019, Kessler withdrew his lawsuit after hearing the depositions and seeing documents from as early as 2010, which showed him that the Duffers had independently come up with the concept. (laughs) (laughs) 
This stuff is great. It's like it's like I, I was shocked to learn that my scheme fell apart because <laughs> these people had evidence. You know, it's like there's going to be like you know just a Microsoft Word, you know, date or like final draft. Like, oh look, here's when the document was created initially. <laughs> you know, somehow I was wrong, and they proved me wrong using facts and evidence. <laughs> He's like, well, well, yeah. I guess that's it for me. I do want to watch his short, though. I would love to yeah. see it. I wonder if it's on YouTube. I I can imagine. I'm sure it's out there. What's this guy's name again? Uh, Charlie Kessler. <laughs> <laughs> I loved getting to the end of that paragraph, and it's just like, well, they proved me wrong. I'm out of here. <laughs> there is something on YouTube that's 48 seconds long. It's a short film by Montauk. Short film by Charlie Kessler, but it's only... I don't know if this is just a clip from it. Or... It can't be the full movie. What if it was, I mean, though? Be... What if he was like my 48 second? I mean, that would be even better. <laughs> I made a phony TV spot and they ripped it off. Oh, oh my, my God. God. This is amazing. This is like just watching this is amazing. It looks like something I made, you know, when I was, you know, if I was just bored one afternoon. Oh my God. And just like set up a camera outside and then made a s- effect in the sky with a. I would love to some... hear more from this story, too. Like, like what was his um, full reaction what did he what was his explanation for like you know he says that he met with the duffer brothers and all this stuff but like that obviously that didn't happen so like right sir did you imagine all this like what what was the result here charlie yeah, I mean, if you're listening please reach out we'd love to have you on the show send a message yeah we want to talk to you i want to talk to some some folks like charlie yeah, I, I, Everyone, I recommend watching that little forty-five seconds on YouTube because, I mean, really, you can just see all the, all the DNA of of Stranger Things is right there. It's you know, it's right there. It's there's no question. This uh, his case should have gone to trial. And he should have. Anyway, no, we're gonna talk about the show because I don't know. We've talked about the show before. Just felt like something to take up some time. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> In the march towards our inevitable doom, this should uh, this should keep us distracted for at least a short time. Exactly. Um, well, Keith, what do you just in general? How do you feel? Not this season necessarily, but in general, how do you feel about the show? Do you like the show? Are you on the bandwagon? Are you not? Are you somewhere in between? Well, here's another piece of trivia that I think kind of explains my position. In a September 2016 analysis, Netflix found that Stranger Things hooked viewers by the second episode of the first season, indicating that the second episode was the first installment that led to at least 70% of viewers that would go on to complete the entire first season. So it it sort of established that phenomenon of you give them uh, at least two episodes and uh, you're going to get sucked in. And I think that's what happened to me because at first I was kind of interested in the show. Obviously, there was a lot of buzz around it. Then when I actually watched it, I was like, I was a real hater. I was like poo-pooing it as just kind of nostalgia porn. and From the first episode or the the entire first season? First episode, especially. I think it really was like by the second or third episode, then I was on board. But the mm-hmm. first episode, for sure, I was like rolling my eyes, and it's kind of like I get it. It's the 1980s. Thanks, guys. Like, yeah. what else you got? That was not enough to 
sustain my interest. Like I'm not, Mm -hmm. I I felt like it was very much pandering and uh, kind of insulting, honestly. Mm -hmm. And it, it kind of made me sick to be in the same company as people who are like, Oh yeah, they're referencing, uh, you know, the dog tags from predator in 1987. That's so cool. Like I didn't want to be one of those guys. And so, I was definitely like resistant at first, but luckily, and to their credit, they have achieved something pretty incredible and told uh, some very enjoyable stories and created Uh some very wonderful characters. I don't know that they've done anything sort of uh, like innovative or like something that's never been done before other than like creating a fucking monster hit, but the the consistency of execution, I think, is... uh, has played a big role in the success of the show and in my enjoyment. So you think the show has been overall consistent in quality? Oh yeah, definitely. Interesting. I don't. I don't think any season per, in particular is like wildly better or worse than any other. I just think mm-hmm. they're they're different. Sure. And I think they've done a good job of raising the stakes. Yeah. Uh, let me ask you this then too, like. Just back to what you said about, you know, your initial response of it being, oh, this is just 80s nostalgia porn. Do you see a purpose for setting the show in the 80s for anything other than it being nostalgic? Is there any advantage that you can see from just a narrative sense of having this show take place then instead of in the current day? Yeah, I think there's a lot of value and opportunity to taking the things that are recognizable and then like remixing them. Mm-hmm. Right. It's the it's the the things that a lot of successful directors and writers do, like like Edgar Wright and Quentin Tarantino and uh, whoever else. They take these things that they love and that are are good and fun and interesting and they throw them in a blender and they spit them back out in different right. ways. But specifically, like, couldn't you do that but still have it be a, a show that takes place in, in the mo- modern day if that was the only reason i mean like because i do think there's an advantage to it being taking place in the 80s beyond just a nostalgic aspect but i'm just curious you know like i i feel i feel like people turn their nose up at it if you're less transparent about it right if you if right. you're sort of upfront about the source and you're like uh, it's the terminator genesis phenomenon in my mm-hmm. eyes where it's like here's that thing you recognize but look we're going to totally fuck with it and do some unexpected things with it. And so there's like that familiarization is an anchor that you can kind of right. hook people with. And then from there you can really like surprise them. It's like, it's but like going on a, th- like a theme park ride. You know what a roller coaster is and what a roller coaster does. But once you sit in that seat, there's an opportunity to do some things that people have never seen before. Right, but isn't that more, is that just more of a tonal thing, or is that, like, actually a narrative, like, what, because, like, for me, I would say, like, I think the advantage of having it set in the 80s is, okay, you have all these kids running around, and there's missing persons and whatnot, those stories, to me, just kind of work better before the invention of cell phones and GPS and whatnot. Oh, yeah, the the suspension of disbelief is, I think, is, you've got a lot more kind of opportunity there because it really is like in the modern day like it is it's difficult to even in in movies or shows where they kind of set that stuff up what was i watching recently that did that monk 
No, I've never seen Monk. Was it Tomcats? Or maybe it was <laughs> were- Werewolves Within. I can't remember. What, you, it was either Tomcats or Werewolves Within. Well, those are the two. I, it definitely wasn't Caddyshack 2, which is one of the last movies I watched. I don't know. I don't know what we're talking about anymore. I don't know. Anyways, one of the the movies I watched recently, they actually did a good job of like being like, there's cell phones and there's this and there's that. But here's some reasons why that shit isn't a factor. But right. yeah, it, it really is like going to a time where you could suspend disbelief in viewers in a, in a much easier fashion is, right. is definitely working in the show's favor. Well, think about it, too. Like, I was thinking, you know, in this concept of, like, why I said it in the 80s. You know, like, take a movie like Minority Report, right? Not And just take the premise where it's it's the future and you have these, like, weird doped-up uh, psychics who can predict all, fu- all murders, all future murders before they happen, right? So then the, what's the pl- plot of that movie is it's not how, how, who, did the, who did the murder. It's how do you frame someone for murder if the psychics can see everything. So imagine if that technology suddenly existed in, in real, in the real world. Right. And you wanted to make a murder mystery movie, you would have to make a period piece. You know, you could not tell, you could not do a, 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 a regular murder mystery in a world where all murders can be predicted before they happen. You know, and, I kind of feel the same way about this. Like there are there are plot points, there are things that happened that work much better in the pa- in the relative recent past than they would in modern day society with the internet and shit like that. Yeah, and I think the stories are just more interesting. Mm-hmm. Like if you tell, uh, and I hate to be one of those people who's like, oh, movies and stories these days just aren't as good. But it, if you're going to tell a story of kids running around getting into adventures, you don't want you know, things like helicopter parents and cell phones and yeah. all of kind of the modern trappings. Well, even just that scene Social in the new media. season. Yeah, in the new season where they're trying to find the, uh, oh, guys, uh, forewarned too, this is, there's going to be no holding oh, Yeah, we're going to spoil spoilers. everything. I recently so if, just finished this show, and I, I was late to the party, so we're going to blow it out with the, the facts. Yeah, if you if you haven't seen and don't want something spoiled, like well, just stop listening, which you've probably done anyway. But regardless, you know, there's that scene where they're trying to find out where like Eddie's hiding, like the the address of the drug dealer's house that Eddie's hiding at. So they're going to the video store and looking up. Every, they have the guy's first name and they're looking at the first names, like what kind of videos would this person be renting, et cetera, et cetera. You know, trying to find figure it out that way, which is a lot more fun and interesting than today if someone just said like, oh, I'm just gonna Google it, Google them. I will say, actually, for that that part of the story, I wish they would have done the Terminator bit, like just looking through the phone book one by one with yeah. the names. But and then gone to people's houses. Yeah, and then if it turned out not to be the guy, they just killed. They just killed them to cover. Yeah, the track. they just shoot shoot the people. And it just becomes a story now about child murderers. Yeah, they're like, oh not shit, we killed kill too many children, people. but children who kill people type of thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, I would have been down for that. They're trying to hide the bodies. Yeah, I'm that much. Okay, yeah, hundred percent, much better show. Um, I did like this season. I do not hold the same point of view that it's been that this quality of the show has been consistent. But has uh, it been, been? Has it been so wild? Are you are you like, oh, season two was garbage. This season no, was awesome. 
Is no, it so, I will say, such a far, like, gap? No, not necessarily. Like, I'll say this. Like, I have been entertained by every season. And I actually thought season two was pretty good. I, I think I'm, you and I, I remember you and I defending it, like, when people were saying, like, oh, it's just a rehash of the first one. But it was like, yeah, whatever. Who cares? Uh, it was still it was still pretty entertaining. I do, however, say that, like, I was not excited for season four. Like, I was going to watch it regardless, but I, you know, just like I said, I knew it was going to be at least, at the very least, entertaining, but I was not um, looking forward to it by any means. And I thought the preview for it looked terrible. Wow. Other than like Vecna looking like a cool monster that you got him at the end of the first little trailer, but everything else, I was watching it. And I was just like, you know, them playing that, uh, that journey song, slow down to journey song over the, the trailer, and then like. Separate ways. Separate ways, and then stuff that there's stuff in the trailer that I thought looked dumb that ended up being cool in the show. Like, obviously, out of context, I didn't know what was going on, but just watching like Eddie's guitar solo in the upside down in the trailer, I was just like, oh my god. And then when that actually happens, I was like, oh, that's that works, it's a good scene. It's it's not, you know, it's just funny. Cra- it's funny hmm. you mentioned that one because I actually I don't know that it necessarily works. like the tone is so far out there, but I allowed it because uh, like sometimes was, you, you need like moments of levity during those, like, right. yeah. those, those intense moments and scenes. And they're also doing like, there was a purpose to it. It wasn't just like, Oh, we're doing this wacky thing just for funsies. Like there was right. like, a reason for it. But uh, the the actual visual of it was like pretty corny, honestly. Oh, one hundred percent. Yeah, like out of context of it, I hated it so much. You know, out of context of why it was happening. But then when you're watching it unfold in the show, you're like, I can kind of see this guy doing that. And specifically uh, his character, mm-hmm. I man, I was uh, I was not that on board. A, a metalhead character made sense, and. That was that was all fine. I thought he was kind of annoying at first and irritating. Like, oh, I'm so different. I'm such an outcast. Uh, right. Oh God. Blah, blah, blah. But by the end, they had really completed a a pretty good arc for him, and I was oh like, for sure. I was knee deep into invested into his story. They fucking mm-hmm. got me. I, I I was very impressed. I mean, obviously, there's been a lot of uh, backlash over his death. Um, but it is it does fit his character. That's arc, good. You know, yeah. That's the result that you want. Right, exactly. Whereas like I at the same token, I think maybe people are frustrated because they keep introducing so many characters and the cast keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And now you've killed off everyone. Like you've someone gotten introduced that everyone was like, Oh yeah, we all like this guy, and then you kill him off. That didn't bother keep- me. The size of the cast did not bother me until they all came back together at the right. end of the season. When they were off on their sort of splinter stories in different locations doing different things, I like that. I like jumping around. You've got these unique pairings and kind of different team-ups and character dynamics happening together. Similar to like Game of Thrones did a lot of that. And uh, I I think that's a lot of fun. But once they all reconvened at Hopper's cabin, I was like, oh, shit. This is, this is a lot of people and a lot of stories and a lot of... A lot of things to sort of work out in the next season. Yeah, it's like when that stuff happens, it's obviously all these characters know each other. But imagine like when you're like 
you go to a function where everyone else knows each other and nobody knows you and you have to meet each person individually and you watch and everybody watches as you meet them, you know, that's kind of like what happens when you have these giant casts convening all together at once. Like, okay, well, obviously Eleven has had to say something to everybody and everyone has to you catch each other up to speed, blah, 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 blah. Um, yeah, that stuff can be pretty awkward. And I think the pacing of this, of, of the show kind of got wobbly, uh, when that happened in the final episode, when they all reconvened, but yeah, all the little side stories, particularly like I particularly liked, um, it in the sense that it just broke up all like the hocus pocus, you know, magic kids mumbo jumbo, which obviously is like the core idea of the show but can get a little tiresome you know when you're just watching 11 have a uh you know a thousand nosebleeds and flashbacks to the upside down and whatnot yeah the stripping of the powers is a good like that's sort of a classic x-men and like mm-hmm. comic book kind of deal it's like oh it's your you know it's the superman uh lost his powers or spider-man lost his powers what the fuck is he gonna do now right He's just got to be a normal person and figure things out, and it definitely presents some unique challenges. Is there anything as a whole that you just actively dislike about the series? Oh, that's an excellent question. I can't recall. Other than the kids saying, holy shit, too much, like they really run that phrase into the ground. Other than that, I can't really think of anything. Are you talking specifically about this season or the the series altogether? Just in general, like as they started to get older, like that, yeah. that like kids swearing mm-hmm. uh, for it effect. really offends you. It really offends you. On it's a not offensive, like but it's funnier when they're younger. Like you right. throw it out a couple of times, and it's like whoa, that it really kind of sells the seriousness of the moments, mm-hmm. and it's also kind of funny. But as you get older and you're like a, a teen, it stops being like the novelty wears off pretty fast. Yeah. And like it's their reaction to everything. So like if something crazy happens, if they get an idea or have like a revelation, if uh, they see something that's like really uh, mesmerizing, like it's their go to. And it's just like they just run it into the ground. Yeah, I can see that. The thing that the, that irks me the most is, well, I will say that like. And this hasn't necessarily been a problem all throughout. Like you said, like in the in the first season, the first episode, you said like, "Oh, this is just '80s nostalgia porn," and I never really felt that about the first season. I felt like there was a lot of obviously like little references to movies, you know. But in general, I I never felt like it was like really trying to hammer home that it was, you know, '80s. This like. I'm something more words, but like by the third season, the third season was 100% like, hey guys, don't forget, it's the 80s, you know, like with the musical cue, like musical cues, like Lucas having that little speech about new Coke, you know, it was just really trying to remind the you. Whole and, and, like, the whole thing being set in the mall. The whole thing being set in the mall, the fucking never ending story, like song and dance number. Ah, I didn't like that. Uh, that was, yeah, like, it was really like, it was just like heavy handed. Yeah, it was just like the whole thing was like, in case you forgot. I did really like the third season, though. What's that? I really liked the third season, though. Really? See, that's my least favorite season. Uh, Mostly just because of that, and uh, Hopper is just insufferable in that season. And not even fun, insufferable. He's just like, I do not like you. There is something 
about it that that I didn't like that it kind of plays into my biggest overall issue with the show, and that is what I call the diehard dilemma. Because oh, okay, in, okay, guy who came up with his own uh, uh, concept and named uh, well, it I to didn't. explain his th- Oh, you didn't. Die Die Hard Two came up with the concept. I just am, you know, using that as my little placeholder to remember in my notes to remember what I would want to talk about. Which is in Die Hard Two, John McClane goes, "How can the same shit happen to the same person twice?" You know. Which is what the audience is thinking. But it's like you have these characters who are essentially like regular characters. And how do they keep falling into into this and just kind of being like, "Mm, uh okay, here we go again. You know, if you have a character who goes and purposely gets into adventures like Indiana Jones, like that makes sense. Like you understand that. Or it's like in Spider-Man movies, like the, the Tobey Maguire ones, right? When you have these superhero movies that don't exist in this big expansive universe where there's tons of superheroes left and right. Like seemingly we're to understand that when Spider-Man gets his powers in that movie, that's the first time like anything like that has ever happened in the world. Right. And then by the third movie, there's uh, aliens, you know, and all this stuff, like you become Spider-Man and then all this stuff just becomes normal and commonplace and no one bats an eye. It's kind, of, it's kind of odd. So I think like the, that happens in this show a lot because the, each season seems to be like, until this one, which ends on a very obvious cliffhanger, sort of, each season kind of seems contained within itself. And it's like, oh, here it's happening again. And no one's like, hmm, maybe we shouldn't let our kids leave the house by themselves. Because every time they do, uh, this shit happens. I was talking about the season and some of the kind of moments that really stuck out to me. And one of them was actually the quote-unquote earthquake and what happens yeah. when all those sort of, all the portals explode at once and kind of rip Hawkins in half. And there's a there's a great moment where the kids are driving back into town and they're looking at all of the, the mayhem and carnage and it's almost like a, uh, it's like out of a, a war movie mm-hmm. where they're all kind of like, I don't want to say sobered up to the, to the, consequences but it really is it signifies a moment where these kids who have kind of been off in their own world their own sort of bubble having these adventures and it finally has crossed over into the rest of the world and it's no longer just their sort of goonies adventure now it's uh, these people are hurt and this town is destroyed and right. there's no going back. And it, it, it kind of ties into them getting older as well, right? The journey of uh, adolescence to adulthood is kind of signified by you abandoning your kind of secret childhood world and having like a bigger awareness of the world around you and like the the real consequences of actions and the things that happen like you're no longer kind of in that uh that bubble yeah and so that was like to me that really stood out as showing like okay you know they were off having these fun magical uh D adventures but now the real shit has hit the fan like the the games are over and there's no going back well, and the whole yeah, world knows what's going on but I mean, do they? They still think it's they. They don't know that 
Uh, no, they don't know the details or the actual right. truth. But I, lo- I loved that, too. I love the fact that they showed the news report where Eddie is still considered a serial killer. And right. they sort of explain away all of these things, but they don't really know the truth. And Dustin well, no, even I- makes it a point to you know, confront Eddie's uncle and tell him the truth, kind mm-hmm. of. And that all works. And I'm saying, like, I think this end of this season works, too, because it kind of ends on that more open-ended thing. But it's like, you know, at the end of the first season, like, Mike's parents at le- and Mike and Nancy's parents at least know a little bit about what's going on because the government comes and talks to them and tells them they have to keep it secret. But then, obviously, Mike's dad is kind of seen and is portrayed as just, like, being uh, oblivious to the world around him, you know, but... At some point, you feel like these like these parents would still like be like, huh, you know, Mike's always getting into these shenanigans, and he has a psychic girlfriend. Maybe something's uh, uh, something's up, or the fact the very fact that like it's just in this season now that the government is finally trying to kill Eleven, which I feel like would have been happening nonstop. I, just the fact that like that each season is self-contained. Is the thing that makes it kind of harder to believe that oh it's like happening again type of thing. Now I do think they have found really good ways to explain for the most part why something is happening again, particularly in this season where you find out oh a lot of the stuff that you thought was happening before is actually happening because of this this weird like you know uh, octopus dude. You know, and then like in the third season, it's like, oh, the Russians are here. They're trying to reopen the portal. That's why it's being reopened. It's not just, oh, it cracked open again on its own. They have done a good job with that. It's just, I feel like if the show was a little bit more continuous and it's, you know, like there wasn't as many, everyone thinking everything's done and over. Yeah. You know, I think that the, the how we got to this point would, would work a little bit better. But I mean, I guess that's a relatively minor uh, minor thing. Well, and of course, they're going to think everything's over. They, they, to them, it feels like they are confronting the ultimate evil or the right. the sort of final boss. And when they do, they're like, "That's it, right? What else could happen?" They, even though they've gone through so much and seen so many strange things, uh, well, they huh? they can't imagine anything stranger happening, right? I wouldn't either. I'd be like, "Well, after." Killing that giant monster in the mall, what the and and also confronting a secret communist invasion, what the fuck else could possibly happen? Yeah, okay, okay. That wasn't Fine. a rhetorical question. I'm asking you, what the fuck else could happen? Uh, uh, well, I mean, <laughs> look, I I, re, I I retract. I still hold my criticism in my heart, but I retract it from this conversation. Is there anything you particularly loved about this season? One of my favorite things about Stranger Things Season 4, available now on Netflix. Netflix, hit us with that sponsorship. If if you, if Netflix and Shudder take care of us properly, man, we could do this show every week. Can you imagine? That's true. Can you imagine? Anyways, uh, I love that the fact that they, they did a... Uh, not just an adequate job, but a great job of diving into the aftermath of the death of Max's brother. Mm-hmm. What the fuck was that guy's name? Billy. Billy, that's it. That guy was a psychopath, and one yeah, of even the... before he was possessed by the by the yeah by the, 
he was already yes and by the time he died in the uh the climax of season three they almost portrayed it like it was a tragic moment kind of and which makes sense because even if he is a psycho he's still someone's brother and right he did uh i think he you know he sort of sacrificed himself uh, or yeah, least, he had his little redemption arc for sure. Yeah. Little bit. I I don't know if I'd call it redemptive, but it's not like a full on redemption. But he's like, I'm going to do the right thing at the he end. He did something. Kind of yeah, right. He did something favorable. And so to me, I didn't really buy that as the the way they framed it was as like, oh, in his final moments, he redeemed himself, and it's so right. tragic that he died. And I was like, I don't know about that. The guy was a fucking lunatic and tried to like kill everybody, and. Uh, was you know generally like terrorizing everyone especially max and so as they started to delve into that i was like a little bit uh hesitant to buy into the story but the way they explored grief and how complex it can be especially in the sense of a you know someone who's not so good and and not having a good relationship with someone but still you know, having sadness at their death and it's, it's not cut and dry and it's not black and white. And, uh, I think they did a really good job over the course of the season, like getting into that and making sense of it all. Right. In in a very realistic way too, not just in a, like a, a TV or movie dramatic sense, but in like a very real way. Yeah, I agree. I think that that was handled incredibly well you know and also yeah did because i felt the same way too about like uh like okay you're making him a little bit too much of a hero seemingly at the end of this just because like he's been a complete asshole and then at the very last second he's going to do something he's going to die anyway but just says like oh okay i'll do this and now he's supposed to be a hero framing it within the within the context of how max views still views him was highly successful in that representation. I, I completely agree with you. Yeah, the the idea that, like, there are times when I wished he was dead. and uh, yeah. But he's also my brother, and I wish things could have been different. Like, that regret and that remorse at kind of, like, the bad feelings on both sides and, and then playing into that guilt, right? When Lucas is sort of, not possessed, but, like, when Vecna uses Lucas to sort of tap into that and and right is like normal people don't think like that you're sick what's wrong with you yeah you wish someone was dead like that was great like all of well that. i mean i think that was really effective too because you know with the way lucas's ca- character has been established at the in, in the moment of that you really didn't know if it i mean quick you quickly found out but you didn't know in that second if that was lucas's actual words and actually, like, what he was worried about. Yeah, it was and, really hard to tell in that first or couple if, or of lines. If, or if he was indeed possessed. Because with other stuff, it was like, it's always so obvious, you know, where it's like the character suddenly turns to something and says something, is possessed by Vecna and says something wildly, you know, out of out of the blue. Yeah, or and just the like, camera oh, angle or camera right. movement. Like, there's some kind of cue that you can, yeah, pick up on it right away. But they did a, a great job of being like, wait a second, what are you doing, Lucas? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, which that's also like realistic, though. I mean, like if you hear something that's you know, if you're insecure about something, and obviously there's insecurities in in him in general, and then his relationship with Max, period, and then like you just hear someone say something like that, you're like, oh shit, well, what are they saying about me? You know, 
Really well done. I want to, you know, you mentioned Billy again. You brought up Billy, and there's something I almost want to say or talk Billy about. Billy Peltzer of Gremlins yeah. fame. Yeah. Do you remember in the in season three where Mike and Nancy's uh, mom is going to have sex with Billy, and then she goes, "Oh no, I can't. I'm married." Not, "Oh no, I can't. You're a child who's in high school." <laughs> But he seems so much cooler and older. And I mean, there's a possibility that he has been held back due to his unruly lifestyle. Sure. I mean, obviously the actor is 40, but the character is supposed to be, you know, 16, 17. Yeah. Um, and like, it's just so funny because that's just like such, such, it's just like glossed over. And I'm just like, wait a minute. Like, what? She can't do it because she remembered that, like, that she's married. Like, not like a. The, this is a kid. Like, imagine if that was that scene reversed. Like, if it was uh, Mike and Nancy's dad and was going to have sex with with uh, with a. Uh, I was going to say, I was trying to think of another a character that, of that age in the show, but then I'd be like, I guess you just have to have sex with Nancy, and that would be incest and a whole other bunch of stuff. Yeah, I think on. that all of that that those notions are definitely of that era for sure. Like right. The, the you know, the aging uh, sort of suburban babe, like fawning over the young bad boy, like the pool guy, right? How many 80s movies are like the pool guy or the pizza guy scoring with every, you know, every woman that he meets? Well, and that's, and that's why I think that season is just so much just like 80s fan service. Whereas the first season, you know, we sometimes meet a lot of like, 80s archetypes you know that are introduced but then the expectations are kind of you know like hopper's the town sheriff who actually takes the situation seriously and doesn't ignore it until he's the next victim you know that's that's not that's pretty against the uh you know against expectations for that type of character in an 80s movie joyce byers is the frantic mom who isn't just crazy you know she actually gets things done so there's that's a brings up a, an interesting thing that I didn't realize until the season was over. Joyce and Will, bro, like she was so had so much PTSD and was so fucked up over him missing and like was likely overprotective and in this season like they don't even spend any time together. Like he goes running off and she goes running off in right. completely different directions and they don't even at no point is he like, oh, man, I really need to call my mom. And she's like, I care way more about Hopper than my fucking kids. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, to me, actually is, uh, I, I guess, is a sign of character growth. But also, like, it's kind of wild to think, like, th another thought I had was Will was, he, for so long, he was, like, the little runt of the litter like everyone was like protective of him and he was like the tiny little like now he's huge sort of buff scared and... baby he is the biggest fucking dude he is like man sized compared to yeah. everyone it's yeah. fucking nuts yeah he's definitely like the one who's like i think he's actually one of the younger ones too and like in real life cuz they're not there's uh, I think he's one of the ones who's still like most of them are in their early twenties now. I think he's still a teenager in real life, and yeah. he is he's pretty big, you know, particularly compared to like how he was before and the other kids still now. Yeah, even like Finn Wolfhard, who like you know visibly went through puberty, like he's still like 
compared to that kid, he looks like a fucking man. Like if you tweaked yeah. his haircut and gave him a mustache, like oh that's, yeah, that's it. It's over. Maybe next season he'll go full action hero. He's I like, hope so, kind of, because holy gonna, shit, man! That'll be his full arc. Is like, is him going, you know, from the like the shy, sensitive kid to like I am kicking ass. When it made you know? it, th- that look to him, and like as silly as his haircut is, it made his sort of emotional journey like even more poignant because he is uh-huh. like a physical presence. It's like it doesn't matter how like. Uh, you know, physically gifted you might be. Like, if there's something kind of tearing away at you, like, oh sure, there's no escaping it. You know, things like that come up that are, uh, you you can't write that. Like, it's just incidental because we're growing up with these performers, right? right. They're aging. You and, can, you can't write it, but you can write around it. You know, you oh can exactly, like, you can work with it. Yeah, but yeah. but it adds like this these extra layers to everything. Pretty wild. I remember you saying you did not like the character of Argyle. No. He was he's a little fine. On, yeah, he's a little on the nose, but I think I mostly just like that actor. I thought he was doing having having a, f- a fun time. And Yeah, you know, he's fine, but it's like he's just a little too much of a comedy character. I'm glad that there right. was a payoff for him being the pizza guy. You right. know what I mean? Like there, there was a, a good reason for that eventually. Uh, yeah. So that's cool. I think, too, it's like he's a character who I think is probably going to get shoehorned into the next season, and he seems like a character who should probably just go away, like his purpose is served. Yeah. You know? He's not one to. He's not somebody who should keep getting involved in the adventures, but he probably will. No, he's like uh, too oblivious. And I just like the name Argyle too. It's like okay, like that's another one of those. That's like a season one reference where it's like it's so specific. I'm like, right? Come on, guys! Like, that's a bit much. But I mean, sometimes those references I think are kind of. I mean, it's not unnecessary, but. Who else They're, was named Argyle in the 80s besides, besides a the, character in a movie? No, I know. What I'm saying is like they're, they're references that are specific but don't not not necessarily distracting. You know, it's like the, even calling, you know, Hopper, Jim Hopper, which is an obvious reference <laughs> to the dog tags in the movie <laughs> yeah, Predator, so you know, stupid. that weirdos like you and me will, no, will, will will notice, you know, but if someone else, it's like, it's not, it doesn't distract from the story if you don't know, it's if not he, confusing. If he doesn't get skinned alive in the final episode, I'm going <laughs> to fucking be pissed. <laughs> but I mean, okay, like actually one of my favorite little bits of fan service in the uh, current season is the Conan sword. You know, which in one of the best, in my opinion, one of the best scenes in the, in the season and series is when Hopper is fighting the Demogorgon with, and the, the way the swords and, and bladed weapon, weapons show up there is not like force. It's organic to the story. And he picks up the sword and it just happens to be Conan's sword. It's the fucking Atlantean. It's not even like yeah. kind of, it's not just like any barbarian sword. It's literally the Atlantean sword. I fucking clocked right. it so fast, I could not believe it. Absolutely. And it's like, but I mean, I've also talked to people who didn't, who are nerds, who did not like pick up on that Im- immediately. You know, it's, that's a good type of fan service because it doesn't slow anything down. If you get it, cool. If you don't, it 
doesn't affect the plot, not knowing, you know, not knowing that bit of, of reference and everything just keeps moving, you know? Yeah. It's pretty awesome. Um, that scene is pretty rad though, too. I mean, just the build up to it, the situation, uh, the fact that it makes logical sense given what's happened in earlier episodes for that sword to just be there. It's not just overly convenient and it pays off on the whole, like kind of like D and D motif. Oh yeah, that's, definitely. That's played through the entire series. I loved that whole, uh, Hopper is missing in the Russian gulag, uh, subplot. All of it that was stuff great. was great. That could have been that could have been just its own little. See if that if season four was just that and it was ha- like half as long and that's the only thing we got. I would have been okay with that. You yeah, know, like, I love. Oh, the, this is a nice, ch- nice change of pace. You know. Yeah, I love the pairing of Murray and Joyce. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Murray is a really great character. I think he is funny. I think that tonally they did a really good job of not having him be a clown when right. the stakes are raised. Yeah. They he did a they did a great job of keeping him like, oh yep he's he's a guy who does karate against children, but mm-hmm. if he believes in himself and his own bullshit when it's time to survive, he's actually fighting and not just like, you know, doing clown shit, which I was I was a big fan of and I was worried that that was sort of going to be the case. Oh yeah, totally. I mean, like, and you because we've seen glimpses of that before, and this is definitely the biggest role his character has had in the series thus far. So I, yeah, I had the same thing where I was like, "Oh, this could go this way," and then it didn't. And yeah, I was pretty really helped uh, solidify this this season as, in my opinion, the best season since the first. Yeah, I think it's definitely time that we talk about Vecna because that Vecna is such a huge part of this season. Like, not just Wait, as the villain, but also kind of leading into, like, opening up other parts of the story and kind of revealing some other things. Do you have any hot Vecna takes? Or you... There's no reason for me to like the fact that Vecna was, like, a secret character, but I do like it. And I love yeah. the getting lost in the the memories of Eleven when she was mm-hmm. first at the Institute or whatever, uh, I thought it was pretty cool. Yeah. I liked all that stuff. And also just like, I think like what you just said, like there's no reason for you to care about him being a secret character, but you do. It's like, I think maybe that's just because like you take, take a, take Vecna in a vacuum, take him out of the context of this show, take a, you know, his hidden backstory, take that out just as that character, as we're first introduced to him in the first few episodes, you could easily transplant that same character into various horror movies and he'd be a dope villain. Oh yeah, without question. He looks rad. He's like his voice is awesome despite the obvious like influence of like Freddy Krueger and Hellraiser and Tim, you know Pinhead and any very various grab bags of Lovecraftian type creatures. He does seem like his own thing too. Yeah. He, again, he's a good sort of, uh, all those ideas into a blender and like spit, mm-hmm. spit something out, uh, that mm-hmm. has those characteristics and you got something familiar, but also kind of fresh. Absolutely. Yeah. I, my only gripe was I didn't like him moving his mouth when he talked. I thought hmm. that, uh, because he is, because of the, the way his character behaves he should communicate in people's thoughts 
and the way he's sort of powered by malevolence and like the negative energy of of everyone around him i thought he should he should communicate psychically and not by speaking and it's kind of weird that he even has a mouth like he should maybe that part of his face should be like smoothed over or missing or something but yeah that could have been cool but then it reveals that he's just he was a guy who transformed based on all this right. weird shit happening and i was like okay that's that's works for me i guess yeah. but yeah I, I definitely enjoyed the his whole crazy origin which normally i would be like please don't explain all of this like i just want it to be another weird piece of the upside down puzzle but because he plays such a pivotal role in Eleven's kind of origin, and also because he is a, a like he has sort of a, a Hellraiser like Pinhead type origin, he isn't just a phenomenon of this place, like the the season three monster and the Mind Flayer and the uh-huh. the Demogorgon and all that. Those are all phenomenon of the Upside Down he was kind of transformed by the powers and forces uh, involved. Yeah, I think too, like with his backstory and everything we find out, it kind of retroactively fixes some of the story hiccups in previous seasons. Like now now seeing like, okay, there was a driving force behind all this that's more complex than just evil monster wants to do evil thing. Makes some of those those parts that might have seemed redundant in other seasons not so much anymore like one thing about another thing about season three that i didn't like is like okay you just have in season one you had the demogorgon cool and the the bad uh government guys and then season two you had this other weird like mind flare thing that possesses will okay also cool need its own thing and then in season three it's like hey guess what the mind flare is back and you're like, what? I don't care. But this time he's a monster made out of like goo and guts. And it's like, great. I don't care. Oh, I like, loved that creature and like the invasion of the body snatchers type setup. But yeah, it being the, the same creature, just right. kind of looking different. But I mean, maybe that is the, right? They say it's a hive mind. So every creature, right. all the bats, like and everything, they're all functions and extensions of just the mind flare, right? So it's all connected. Right. I mean, even the beginning of this season, they, when they first figure out this about this Vecna guy, uh, their initial assumption is like, oh, he's uh, he, he he's still a, a soldier of the mind flare. You know, the mind flare is sending out Vecna now. And it's absolutely the, the reverse of, of, of that. You know, it makes a little bit more sense why we would get just kind of like this second interpretation of the same villain in, in, in season three. Now, that being said, I don't think you should have to have a whole other season retroactively make something that happened in a previous season better. I think that's still kind of a flaw in writing. At least it does do it, you know, in my opinion. It makes me di- dislike certain things about previous seasons less. Yeah, I think that's just always a bonus. Like, it's really hard to arc, like perfectly architect these sort of mythologies that build off of each other and kind right. of, like, call back to previous things and, like, plant seeds. Like, I know that that's now kind of a phenomenon with the, the Marvel Cinematic Universe where it's like, oh, mm-hmm. if you go back and watch this, you'll see all these little Easter eggs that we were setting up the, for this movie five years later. That's super fucking hard. 
You'll also see a bunch of Easter eggs that never went anywhere. So it's like how much of that was 100% mapped out and how much of it, like we said before, you know, you were talking about uh, Will getting like kind of like bigger and buffer and like you can't, you can't write that because you don't know that that's going to happen to this kid in real life, but you can write around it, right? I think what they did a really good job in this season of like, and particularly knowing that the initially the show was not supposed was supposed to be an anthology show, and they only decided to keep these characters going into the second season because they were so popular and it was such a hit. Knowing that, going backwards, the way they have connected the tissue between the two and made it seem like it was all planned out initially is is pretty is pretty well done. Oh yeah. Uh, I was just gonna say I think the how hard they pushed into the horror element of this one of this season also really made it feel a lot. Bro, are you fresh. kidding? Fucking but, Stephen King is like, this is my favorite season. Oh, why is that, Mister King? Is it because yeah. they have the fucking Pennywise house? Is yeah, that right, it, yeah. you son of a bitch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man, I could not believe when I saw his comments on it. I was like, yeah, we get it. <laughs> like, right. This is the most Stephen Kingy of like, like you want to talk about fucking uh, it and Stand by Me and Dark Tower and fucking yeah. oh I don't know how about the Shawshank Redemption where they're crawling out the fucking uh, poo tunnel. Right. Yeah, <laughs> get out of here. No, but it is. It, it definitely is cool. That house is cool, and the way Vecna is sleeping, like connected to all those tendrils, is fucking yeah. awesome. All that stuff is great. Well, and it's also, I think, tonally the biggest, even though all that stuff is there, it's tonally the, this season shifts the most and it makes it feel a little bit, not, I don't want to say fresher, just like not, but doesn't feel like we're just rehashing the same season again. Uh, one thing I think that I, you know, talking about how like, oh, you just brought the same monster back in season three. I think that maybe you could have just focused way more on the Russians in season three and way less on the magic. And that would have been a nice change of pace, you know, which is also nice. Why this, the whole prison scenes work so well is because it just mixes up what we've seen before. You know, that's funny because I feel like they did in season three, it was more about like, it was about this gross, like creature infecting people with slugs which wasn't terribly, didn't feel terribly magical to me. And then it was the, like, centered around activity at the mall and, like, solving that mystery. There at, was, at least there from was, memory. Like, that may not right. be accurate in terms of, like, the actual content presented, but from my memory, that's what, like, sticks out most to me. Sure, but uh, but you're, you're, you are right in that, that there was a lot of activity at the mall and trying to, you know, do all that stuff. And all that stuff is a lot of fun. I think we get distracted. Like it, what distracts from it is when we keep going back to giant flesh monster, you yeah. know, even though in and of himself, it's a cool looking monster. Yeah. You know? I love like, that monster. You're not going to get an argument for me there. Like I was a cool looking monster, but we keep going back to that and back to that when there's like this, you know, like maybe instead of even seeing, seeing monsters, you know, throughout, throughout it's like at the end of that, like a bunch of them accidentally get released, you know, and that's where the monsters come into play is not is at the very end of the of uh, that season rather than it having been this whole through line thing, because even the, the the you know the body snatchers thing possessed people is like it doesn't really pay off you know it's they're like there, 
they don't do anything that interesting throughout the course of the season. Go on. I mean, that's just it. I mean, that's 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 my point. They just they're like. So a lot of this, I, I thought we were here to talk about season four, but man, you sure are like you were like I'm here to rag on season three. <laughs> that was the, that was my whole yes. my whole secret plan. Yeah, the ulterior motive oh, is this, revealed. This is, Vecna's curse comes full full force. Season three sucks. So in terms of Vecna, they spent a long time on the origin of... Yeah. What was that guy's name, number one? Num- well, yeah, Henry. This is like his actual name. Henry Bowers. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Okay, guys. Thank you. And then... And then, uh, and then, then you find out he's he's number one. He's the first psychic kid, at it in, in uh, Papa's like child. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Papa, child. Papa's child psychic farm. Come on down, yeah. get yourself a psychic. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, yeah, so that's that's the whole and that, that's the whole thing. And then you have this kind of these parallel storylines going on, where you are introduced to Henry. And then you, but you don't realize that he is actually one of the psychic kids at first. And then you find out that he was, and then you, it culminates with finding out that him and Vecna are the same person. Did you see that coming? Did you? I did uh, not. I was a hundred percent in on. And I don't know if it was uh, just kind of the state I was in. Uh, mentally, but I was a hundred percent in on. Oh shit! Uh, they're gonna escape from the institute together, and then this kid's gonna run into fucking uh, Mike and uh, the whole group, and it's gonna be a weird new dynamic, and uh, it's gonna create a whole new host of problems. I thought they were going off in a completely different direction, and I mm-hmm. should have. It should have been fairly obvious when eleven. I also forgot that they were in a memory. Like she was still in the sensory deprivation tank. But as soon as she got rid of his tracking device, it it should have been obvious that like, oh, here comes his sort of heel turn where he's, you know, like, I'm actually a villain. (laughs) I tricked you. And that's what happened. I I, I didn't quite see that coming, but I also wasn't really looking for it. Uh I I was not in high alert of like, where is the story going next? That is usually how I watch. Even when I watch like mystery movies, I'm not trying to figure it out. Generally, uh, I'm just trying to like have fun with it. I yeah. will say this: I even <laughs> I knew that it was the same actor playing both, and I still didn't see it coming. Oh, that's weird. Because well, I was like, I was just thinking about it, and I was like, my timelines were mixed up, just like you were saying, right? Yeah, I got lost. I got they, we were so deep into it. I got lost, and I was like, "Wait, is this? Did they, they kidnapped her and cut her hair?" And right, because there is two layers to it. Like they kidnap her and cut her hair. She's back at the institute. Yeah, and but then she goes uh, exploring her own memories, and she looks very similar. They didn't really de-age her a ton. No. And, and actually, so, that's that effect was done really well in the in this. Yeah, to the point where it's like normally, like even when they're just doing it a little bit with kids, I'm like, oh god, no, that looks awful. And this, I think there was only a couple little spots where I was like, oh yeah, that looks pretty, 
pretty obvious. Yeah, I didn't really notice. So yeah, if you're getting up to like get a snack or like do other stuff while you're watching or mm-hmm. not fully paying attention, like it's easy to like you sort of drift off and be like, wait, where are we again? Well, my timeline mix up was kind of like just when they're going back, you know, when, when Nancy and uh, are talking to and, uh, and Robin are talking to uh, Freddy Krueger in the in the jail. Yeah. And they're flashing back to like the fifties, you know, and they, and you see the little kid and stuff. Um, I was like, that's where I was like not adding up my timelines correctly. Where I was like, Oh, this character is, you know, when Henry, I didn't think was old enough to be that character initially. And and then, and then it quickly became obvious, Yeah, you know, but like around that, like around that same episode, I was just curious who played Vecna and I looked it up and I was like, Oh, it's the same guy. And I was like, I kind of just thought because of, because I was watching the timelines like that, I thought like it was more like his kind of like a wizard of Oz type scenario where you yeah. just have one actor playing dual roles, but they're not connected necessarily. Yeah, to his credit, uh, he did an incredible job. His shift from sort of quiet, mysterious, nice guy to a vengeful psychopath was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Like his his performance was off the chart. He did lose me a couple of times. Some of the lines he had of like. Uh, to join me we're gonna reshape the world in our image and do right. as we wish was a little bit too much like comic book super villain type yeah, delusions before of he's had his, yeah before he's had his physical transformation and has spent you know 20 years stewing i guess not 20 years like four years stewing in like a pile of like uh monster tentacles yeah just a simple like revenge motif would have been satisfactory like i thought that was a bit over the top but Mm-hmm. whatever that's a, like a pretty minor gripe e- even though there is like kind of some I mean, maybe some excessive exploration of the memories i did love the the motif of them walking through the memories like physically being yeah. there i always think that's pretty cool and then his actual his actual origin in terms of his transformation was very cool like you mean his uh like his physical transformation after Eleven sends him through the portal. Oh, like so when you're talking, when he's just walking around the upside down before he's kind of like shaped it to be his own. Yeah, he's sort of. Like they do the thing where he's falling and being struck by lightning and getting burned, and then yeah. uh, he's then he's exploring the world and his skin is changing and his you know his physical form is changing. All that, of that part, stuff yeah, is awesome. I really like that when he's like when he's walking around and he's sees a demogorgon in the distance like scurrying across rocks and then when he comes upon the 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 formless cloud that will become the mind flayer you know but now understanding that he's just manipulating and controlling it that part was really cool i like that a lot what what do you think of that reveal that 11 is the one responsible for essentially like starting all of this so I, yeah, I guess there's been some internet stuff where she, the, the speculation is that she created the upside down, and that's not my interpretation no. of that at all. She I mean, just ripped I, the hole in reality, right? I mean, but I mean, that isn't that kind of. I mean, we've always kind of known that she's ripped the hole in reality because that's what the 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 first time we a, a gate opens, it's in the first season, and that's from trying to contact the demogorgon. But that is, but from the instruction of. See, I don't put her as being responsible, you know. 
just because, so she she throws uh, Henry into the into so you're the an eleven down. apologist. I am. Yeah, I see. Yeah, uh, I would probably blame most of this on Dustin. Yeah, <laughs> his, his youthful enthusiasm and sort of directionless fury is uh, is the reason we're all in this mess. Absolutely. Yeah, I don't really hold her responsible because once she's like five in that scene, and uh, there's evil Papa, psychic farm factory dad, she's doing all this shit and making all this stuff happen and torturing children and baking them into evil psychic monsters. Yeah. I mean, I guess Henry was already on his way there to begin with, but like, boy, Papa gave him that extra little push. Yeah, just a little nudge. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah, he probably would have been content just, like, killing his family and animals and then leaving it be if if uh, it hadn't gone further. Yeah. What did you think of Papa's uh, untimely demise? Untimely? Yeah. Do you mean in terms of his life or just in terms of I mean, of in terms narrative? of, yeah, his, his age and, you know, physical state. I, I, I think, think he was taken before his time in un- and unnatural causes, but also a hazard of the, you know, his career choice. I like it because I think, like, his character in the first season is very one note, which is fine. That's the that's the uh, it serves the purpose that it needs to. And even through most of this season, he's kind of one note for it. But by the end of it, when he's saying things like, oh, I just cared about you, I did this for you, blah, 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 I believe that he believes that. Yes. You know, which is makes his character much more interesting than just like, I'm only in this for my own personal you know, gain. Now, he is, but he's not aware of that. You know, He's not aware that he's actually hurting these people. He thinks he's doing what's right and what's best, but he's too blinded by his own ambition and what whatever like so his his little mini arc in those last episode or two that he's in uh restructures a lot of stuff we've seen before for me and makes me like that character i don't not like him like oh he's cool but i like his involvement in the series more like because even when he came back in the first season it's revealed that he's not dead and uh in the first season in this season he really is not that I was for a moment. I kind of did like a little bit of an eye rolly type thing where I was just like, yeah. Oh, come on. Like who cares? Oh, he's back. You know, big bad daddy's back. You know, one, a great illustration of what you're talking about is in the, in the memory exploration when, uh, all the other scanners sort of start bullying 11 and mm-hmm. he punishes them. Mm-hmm. Right, because he Eleven is his prize, and his sort of he quote unquote cares about her, but that's because he sees uh, potential and the, right. you know the possibility of her powers being the strongest and her being the most interesting scientifically, and so mm-hmm. he just he conflates the two of right of like emotional love with uh, fascination with his uh, experiment, and mm-hmm. then you know he punishes. Uh, the other scanners, you know, to a vicious degree. When he yeah. he claims to care about all of his children, it's all screwed up. And so in his final moments, he seems like a human being, but was he really? I don't know. He was probably just like a, a mass of like cheeseburgers. Yeah, he thinks that he he is, but 
like each one of his legs was probably like 40 cheeseburgers stacked upon each other. And then there's micro electrodes running through them that are being controlled by uh, some sort of like insectoid type creature, I would imagine. And then just kind of awkwardly making this cheeseburger man walk around and creating the semblance of life. But in reality, he's constantly rotting and those cheeseburgers have to be replaced. All right. No more micro-dosing mushrooms for you. <laughs> that's that's going to stop here and now. I'm sorry. I um, You know, I, I was a big fan, too, of the, like the, the government infighting. Yeah. <laughs> Even though it didn't quite make a ton of sense to me, but, like, one of my absolute favorite scenes of the season is when the military shows up to Joyce's house. Uh-huh. And the two uh, agents are there protecting them, I guess. And Mm -hmm. there's that whole assault. Like, the first agent dies. And then the second one is... That action sequence is fucking unbelievable. It's really good. It's awesome. Yeah, I mean, that and also, like, just in general, like, there's a lot more action in this this season. And it's all really good. The Demogorgon, like, the Battle Royale, you know, fights... Uh, with the de- Demogorgon and the prisoners are all really good. The final conflict with the Demogorgon with Hopper and the sword is amazing. Uh, that scene's really cool. The the one you just mentioned. I mean, I guess there's lots of like horror related action scenes as well. Yeah, there's lots of uh, you know knife taped to stick fighting the bats. Yeah, right. That yeah, whole those... scene of them like, oh man, the shit in the gun store and then making oh, weapons wow. yeah. and. All of that's great. Everyone dressed like the fucking Wolverines from... Uh, right. What's that movie? Red Dawn. Yeah, Red Dawn with the berets But once again, kind of fe- feels a little bit more natural. Just kind of like, this, yeah, these kids would buy these berets. You know, why not? <laughs> yeah. You know? They're trying <laughs> to pump them. S- Steve is wearing like three jackets. And then they have Nancy um, sawing off the barrel on, on her shotgun like in Terminator. And then what is she has a great line about that. Because Max is like, why are you doing that? Or like, what does that do? And she's like, she says something and then she's like. They say something like, isn't that illegal? She's like, you know? no matter what, I'm not going to miss or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. All that stuff. What do you, and back to that, like the, the army surplus store. Oh, yeah. And there's a, that whole confrontation between her and the, the jock basketball player. Yeah, Jason. That scene is pretty intense and like is genuinely creepy he is a fantastic antagonist yeah he was great because not only did he have he he did that great thing that that the really good villains do and he's right about some things right but more than being right is he believes everything yeah. he's saying like but he's also like a psychopath you know to a certain degree you exactly know, like, and he's also wrong about things like even the right. things that he's right about he's still kind of wrong it's like even even given the circumstances he clearly has a psycho disposition to take matters into his own hands yeah and the way he like rallies people like the way he's sort of like turning into kind of a cult leader even though he's a fucking child if even if eddie was the killer, he's still, Steve, is, is that his name Steve, right? No. Jason. Jason. It was written Jason, on his jacket. That's why I know his name. <laughs> Jason is still wrong in his method of apprehension. Yeah. You know, 
Like they're like he's like him and his goon squad are like beating up little kids to get information out of people. You know, they're yeah. threatening. Uh, yeah, honestly, what I thought was going to happen, uh, and obviously I was wrong because Eddie ends up dying and still taking the the rap for the murders, is I thought that Jason dude would be end up doing something really sh- like much shittier ultimately than he does than, than the shitty stuff he already does, and that he would end up taking the blame for the murders oh, and, right. and, every, and and we'd be okay with it because of all the crappy stuff, other cr- unrelated crappy stuff. Yeah that he did and then Eddie would be exonerated but then you know Eddie just dies. Did see I can't remember what happened to Jason though. He did did he get killed by Lucas? So or did he just Lucas get knocked are, out? He Lucas knocks him out but then when uh the 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 gate the the you know the crack that causes the big like hell opening earthquake that comes and split splits him in half. So oh. he dies. But he gets sliced in half by the gate opening. I up. must have missed that. But that scene is incredible. When he shows up to the house to find Lucas mm-hmm. and Max, it's such a great scene because the things that the, his greatest fears are validated right there. Right. He's like, all Absolutely. this occult shit is happening. I'm so scared. Uh, the, they, they got my girlfriend and now I'm going to get them. He walks in and he's like, "Holy fuck, I was yeah, right." Yeah, there's 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 a genuine like satanic ritual happening. Yeah, and he was kind of right, but not really, right? Yeah. And his unwillingness to accept the information about the true information about his girlfriend and and he is so scared. He holds up that giant pistol at Lucas. Mhm. And the fear in his eyes, he's like, "Oh my fucking god, I was right and I'm here for my revenge." but I'm in way over my head. This is yeah. more terrifying than I could have imagined. And that that's why that actor, like, he, I think he's one of the unsung heroes of the season. Oh, because yeah. Because the, the moment that he stumbles into that situation, and he's still trying to control the situation, right? He's still, he's like, you have to stop this, you know, pull her out of it. Yeah, he's, he's trying he's to help control. her in his, in, in his mind, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that moment was great. Yeah, I, that's really yeah. He's like odd, like despite his psychopath tendencies, it's not like Billy's psychopath tendencies where he just wants to do it for his own gain. It's like here's somebody who has has these violent tendencies. So in trying to do good, he's going to do bad. Yeah, type of thing. But like you said, like absolutely, if you're that character and you walk in on that, a hundred percent, you know, validated. You know, yep. in your mind. I mean, like <laughs> imagine if you walked in on that and they said like. You saw this like weird pos- girl being possessed, and this some guy was like, "Hey man, just walk out of this room. Trust me. You know, like what you wouldn't, you know, like yeah, you wouldn't there's take- a logical explanation for this. Like, well, <laughs> I can explain everything. Trust you know. You see, there's this guy named Vecna, and uh, let me tell you, he's not cool. And we're doing this weird ritual to try and kill him in a make believe underworld. You know. Yeah. And no, in no, in no way are you gonna go like, mm, okay, Lucas, you're right. I, I, I was wrong. I'm gonna, I'm just gonna see myself out now. You know. Hell no. Any other standout highlights for you or anything? Uh, any- oh man, I loved the fucking like Amblin, like little monsters, close encounter shit they did with the like the the tying the bed sheet and crawling through yeah. the portal into the goddamn uh, upside down. That was great, and then yeah, uh, that was a really cool visual. And all the light bright shit, like mm-hmm. that. 
it it is kind of sappy and like corny, but it is it really is like you talk about like Amblin vibes, like those two things like really brought it. There is a lot that happened in this season, and I feel like oh, there's yeah. like we could just keep going. Yeah, probably forever. It's like, well, what about? The-? I mean, that's the other thing too. It's like, here's what I'll say. Number one compliment to this season: each episode is an hour fifteen to two and a half hours long, and very rarely did I feel like it was bloated. I did a little bit like that in the last episode. I felt that one felt a little bloated. Yeah. But other th- other than that, I was just kind of like, okay, cool. Like I never felt like it was just being drawn the hell out for no reason. Yeah, I think some of the memory exploration stuff, like uh, when uh, Freddy Krueger is telling the backstory, I thought mm-hmm. that was like a little bit, there was some points there where I was like, how long is this? But other than that, yeah, it uh, it did not really drag at all. Yeah. Yeah, I'll be interested to see how. I think it's very good that they are finally deciding that one more season and that's it. Not to keep trying to just string it along any further. Uh, I'm sure. I am a hundred percent sure there is going to be more sort of related content and maybe some spinoffs or something. Oh, like there's that. no no question, no question. Uh, to to what quality, who knows? But also, like maybe if you had a story that's not so like. Uh, try to get so heavy into like you know like oh uh, eleven sad or this or that. If you just have like a more like fun adventure type show that's set in a somehow related world, yeah, it doesn't have to be quote unquote as good to be as good, right? Well, imagine imagine being the Duffer Brothers and like where do you go from here? You have right. created this cultural phenomenon. Arguably one of the most successful television programs in history. I mean, particularly what, what given the, the fuck fact are you like, going to do next? What did they do before this? Was like you know, like an okay little scene movie, you know, that you know had had left no mark on the world. I feel like what you, you would, they would have to do is they'd have to do something, maybe a movie, maybe another series, but it would have to be something big in scope, but completely different. Like maybe do, uh, you know, rip off that idea, that guy's idea for the civil war and do a civil war movie. Yeah. It'd have to be, yeah. Something completely different. Totally. opposite. You know, do a, do a, yeah. No fucking kids. Like a big, like gladiator style epic or something, you know? Yeah. Or something in space maybe. Yeah. Uh, actually I'd like to see them do something in space. I think that'd be pretty cool. (laughs) Get ready for season five. I would not be surprised if oh we go into space. Oh, my God. I, I'm, I'm calling it right now. Right now I'm calling it. It goes into space. That would be pushing it a little bit for me. I would. I think we would start to exhaust the potential and capabilities of a lot of these characters because they are just like small town simpletons. I, oh, I, totally. There is even I, some points where I was like, yo, Hopper is... He's been in a fucking gulag eating gruel. Like, how is he still upright? Like, when was the last time any of these people slept? Right. <laughs> like, his ankle it was all fucked up, like, with a big open gaping wound. And, like, I don't There was a couple I mean, of times where I was like, hmm. That's in all of these movies, though. It's, you know, like, types of things. It's like, true. I always, I always think about that stuff where it's like, when was the last time they had, they ate anything, right? Yeah. You know, uh, 
I mean, that's one of the refreshing things about like Die Hard, particularly Die Hard 3, where it's just like, oh my God, like he's all bloodied up and he's just like, I just want some aspirin. Yeah, I've wanted aspirin this entire time because he's hungry. I'm tired. I'm hungry. Yeah, I'm hungover and I'm tired and I'm hungry. You know, uh, I always think about crap like that. Or like, when did they go to the bathroom in this situation? Yeah. But that's just me being weird and nitpicky. No, and I mean that the the thing is too. Like you have to remember that we're getting a certain view of a story, and so some of that stuff is like, oh, if they stop and like fucking grab a Twinkie and eat it for 10 seconds and then keep going. Like uh, that might be a funny gag, but it doesn't really matter. Like that's not why we're there. Well, there is, I mean, and there are organic ways to put that into the stuff into the story sometimes that sometimes works, but is generally not necessary. Like I can fill in those blanks to a certain degree, unless it's something like where would they even have gotten food period, you know? Yeah. Like they had the peanut butter uh, deal, right? uh, which is cool. That's fine. That's a good. That's a good. Uh, it's all a good show. Forgivable. Yeah. Yeah. It, it is actually a really good show. By the end of yeah. this season, I was fucking blown away by how good it still is. Right. And regardless of like what do you think about story and characters, they are so fucking good at making this show. Yeah. Like the look and feel of it, and the editing and. Mm-hmm. The incorporation of like musical motifs and uh, the way they construct the characters, even though that contradicts what I just said, but like right. all of this shit, like they know how to make this goddamn show at this point. They could do it in I, their sleep. I am so happy you brought up the editing because that is the probably the number one strong point throughout the entire series is how oh, yeah. well it's all cut together. I mean, the basketball D and D scene. Uh, in in this season, you know, where it's cutting back and forth between yeah. the basketball game and the D&D. That's, like, that is amazing. Like, amazingly well edited. Like, the musical cues don't feel on the nose. They work really, really good. Uh, yeah, all, all aside, all little, like, nitpicky stuff, all things, like, that we've brought up, or more specifically, I have brought up, like, I think it's testament that like even when there's some stuff in it that I think is really dumb or really doesn't work, how consistently entertaining the series is. Because yeah. I, I went in not excited for this season, but I was definitely going to watch it. And I knew I wasn't going to be bored. And then I ended up becoming very excited for the next ep- episodes to follow. So good work, guys. Yeah. It's really fucking impressive. Can you imagine growing up now? And this is like, this is your fucking uh, Saved by the Bell or your uh, The Wonder Years or, you know, whatever, uh, you know, whatever you want to equate it with. Right. Like, it's fucking unbelievable. Like, yeah. Uh, what What else even touches this show in terms of i think it's the most watched show of all time if and if it's not I, it's close it's like right up if there. you talk about it in those contexts con- a context of like say like a show you grew up with you know like you're a kid you're approximately the same age as the kids when uh the the show started and then you're watching this and you're getting older like you would may have would have done with the wonder years but there's nothing 
like this to this scope, this magnitude, like it, it, that if you were a kid coming up and this being your show, like I can't think of anything from our childhood that I can think of individual movies or individual th- things, but not thing that we like grew with to, to this extent that would have been this impressive in that respect, except for the TV series Small Wonder. You yes, just couldn't kidding. help yourself, could you? I couldn't. No, I just saw it right there and I had to grab. I don't think that was that show wasn't on my radar. Oh, I love that show. As, as a, a kid. kid. I don't even know. I'm not I feel like I always felt like that show was before my time because people older than like a few years older than me would talk about it. Probably I was watching it mostly in reruns, but I liked it quite a bit. Well, you have anything else uh profound to say about Stranger Things season four? No. But I do go on I'm once again I'm going on record. Somehow we're going to end up in space next season. So if that's your prediction, here's mine. I think that uh, the final season is going to lead to the inevitable uh, sacrifice of Eleven. Like it's definitely going to be like a Dark Phoenix type scenario where Eleven realizes like, oh, I accidentally set all of this in motion and I'm the only one who has the power to stop it. And then everyone's going to be sad and cry and and then go their separate ways, not unlike the Journey song. And uh, that will be that. Spoilers. One more prediction. One more prediction. So in that initial D&D game that they're playing, which do you think these kids would still be playing D&D after actual fighting real monsters like 40,000 times? To your point, that scene where Will is like, oh, uh, something, something we can just play Nintendo and D and D for the rest of our lives. And yeah. uh, Mike is just like, yeah, cool. Right. <laughs> <laughs> In that game, you know, it actually sets up like there's, there's foreshadowing there where like, that's the, where we're first introduced to the concept of Vecna, but all, but as a game character and remember like the, uh, Eddie brings him back from he's like from the dead like like they're like no Vecna's dead he's like oh he's back and he's got one eye and he's all oh, this and blah 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 I think Eddie's going to come back as some sort of undead minion of Vecna possessed you know by him and we'll have one eye and something like that and then we'll be the the uh, you know the possessed bad guy who then re- somehow re- re- finds that little piece of him that's still alive and does something heroic again. I'm, I'm betting on something like that as well. So space, the return of Eddie as an undead monster. I mean, that would be the only metal thing, you know, the exactly. only logical metal thing to happen. So exactly. uh, fingers crossed. All right. Well, we'll see. We'll have to wait another four years and then we'll maybe be back with an episode to talk about our predictions. Who knows? But that's it for today when it comes to Stranger shows shows about strangers. And until next time, the dumpster is closed. Goodbye, everyone. Everybody go back to doing what you were doing.